0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, again, welcome and welcome to our second Mission Sunday of the year. Hopefully, every person here this morning is experiencing the joy of a personal walk with Jesus Christ. Hopefully, you're telling your friends and neighbors about Holy Cross as a place where you've had a personal encounter with the Spirit of the Living God. And this morning, we come together to recall that the Kingdom of God, however, is much greater than just our own experience of it. As believers and disciples of Jesus, we have been called into the mission of God. And God's aim is to exalt Jesus Christ so that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and under earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Yeah, I hope I get an amen out of that. (laughs) Holy Cross, like every other true local assembly, has been called to be part of God's worldwide mission. So it's important to us, in fact it is so important to us, That $0.10, and actually this year it's up to 12 12 $0.12 of every dollar that you give to this church goes to mission outside the walls of this church. We are committed also to praying for missions, for missionaries, and for those who are carrying on the work outside the walls of Holy Cross. And this morning it is our pleasure to be able to hear from one of our own missionaries. So I would like to invite Miss Jane Carney to come up here this morning. She is doing a marvelous work with a mission called Haitian Homes for Haitian Children. Welcome, good to have you here this morning. And I've invited her to tell the story of the work and a little bit about how we are a part of that. So Jane, welcome this morning. Bonjour. <laughs>
1: In Haiti, I would say, Come on, ye? how are you? And they would answer with me with, not so bad, <laughs> which speaks a little of their attitude. Haitian Homes for Haitian Children is a non-denominational child sponsorship, non-profit organization that has been serving families in the community of Jeremy Haiti for five years. Holy Cross has been supporting us for almost all of those five years with financial gifts, prayers, members serving on our board of directors, and members sponsoring children in our organization. Most recently, Holy Cross and its members have given most generously to help us rebuild the lives of the 50 plus families representing 60 children after Hurricane Matthew devastated the entire community in October of 2016. This morning, I'm here to thank you for your incredible gifts of prayers and finances that have made the difference in the lives of these Haitian families and also allowed our organization to continue to minister to these children and their families by continuing to adhere to our mission and vision throughout the difficult times the past few months. We have prepared some pictures, which are not all of the best quality, but which should enable you to follow us through the past few months. Those are the earliest pictures that came out of Haiti, the first ones we received after the hurricane. The street scene that is shown was the most incredible, as that was the main street that we have traveled so many times. These are the fruit trees that have been torn down. All the fruit was destroyed. Services were held on the first Sunday after the hurricane at most of the churches, no matter their condition. The roof is missing here at the Baptist Church. Many of our families' homes were reduced to piles of rubble. None of the families we work with had much to begin with, but now they had nothing. These are pictures of our families and their homes. One of the first things that had to be taken care of was supplying clean water to our families, as cholera is always a concern. The Haitians' passion for clean clothes and cleanliness was immediately shown and works to their advantage Our employee Serge is shown in one of the upcoming pictures as he delivers water to families in the first days after the hurricane. And here he's teaching them how to use purification devices that we purchased with some of your money. None of our families suffered from cholera. There he is with his motorcycle delivering water to the families. One third of our children attend school at the Good Samaritan Baptist School where the roof had flown off. We gave the funds to purchase the supplies to replace the roof so that classes could begin again. Tarps were purchased for some homes for immediate use and tin panels for missing roofs on other homes. This is a man who lost his wife in the past year. The Journal family is probably the poorest family in our program with eight children. The first home they lived in was shared with relatives. They put in a lot of time working on the house themselves. They've never owned anything themselves before. Their little girl actually does very well in school. The father repairs shoes in his spare time. That's the only job he's ever had. You see the name of the organization there on the door. They put that on the doors of the houses. They're proud to be a part of the program. That's Serge hanging out at Jeremy's version of the Home Depot. He kept track of each family's expenses so they did not go over their allotted budget. The families picked up the supplies and carted them to their sites. Our accountant kept track of the expenses to every detail. Every box of nails was accounted for. These are four of the finished homes, complete with doors. They are almost all just one room with tin roofs. The cement blocks will withstand hurricanes and some earthquakes. The tin roofs may not withstand hurricanes but will not fall in and crush occupants in case of earthquakes. Cooking is done outside the homes. The modern version of an outhouse combines the luxury of a non-functional western-style toilet with an old-fashioned hole dug in the ground below it. It is easier to use and keep clean. The happy family shown is the Journals, whose house-building story we showed in the earlier series. The children were able to finish school, the school year, and our summer school is now in session. It meets three days a week, and attendance is nearly perfect. The children receive two healthy meals each day, along with academics and fun activities. We are most grateful to our staff in Haiti. In the last slide, you will see a picture of the staff. Serge is our education director and certainly our hardest worker, having been with us from the very beginning. He's on the left. Joanne is our new nurse, and she also has a degree in nutrition, so she's been busy teaching the families how to eat, how to make the most of their small stipends every month and Roland is our administrative director. He's the one that does all the accounting. They've done an incredible job this year and worked very hard. I've taken two trips in the last three months. The first trip was spent in Haiti in May when I traveled to Jeremy to follow up on our organization's progress following Hurricane Matthew. The second trip was in July and I just returned. Our family drove to a favorite vacation spot in northern Minnesota, where we vacationed for over 30 or 40 years. In so doing, we traveled through parts of Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. It has been a perfect year there for farming. The corn looked higher than knee high by the 4th of July, for sure. The beans were beautiful to this Midwestern-born farm girl. It has been years since things looked so good to me. The windmills were in action. The roads looked beautiful compared to those I'd traveled in Haiti. When it rained on our trip, the rain ran off the well-graded roads and cars traveled on at only a slightly reduced rate in the rain. The people I met were happy, healthy, and well-fed, perhaps even too much so. Almost everywhere we went, there were help-wanted signs. The word that comes to mind is abundance. Surely we have been blessed as a country by a great abundance of wealth that we often take for granted. I know that I do. Perhaps I was more attuned to the blessings of travel and of living in this country because of my recent trip to Haiti. It took us seven hours to travel over 130 miles in the rain. The roads were very bad. At one point, we could go no further and had to call for another vehicle with four-wheel drive to cross the water pouring over the road. As you all know, the area where Haitian Homes for Haitian Children works was the epicenter of Hurricane Matthew last October. In Jeremy, about 90% of the homes and buildings were destroyed. All of the children in our program and their immediate families survived the storm. It took our staff over two weeks to locate all of them to make sure of this. Families moved in with each other, families sheltered in churches and schools, some families huddled under pieces of their tin roofs, laid across what was left of the block walls of their homes. The crops were destroyed, the fruit trees all came down, and many animals died. So there was food for the first week after the hurricane, an abundance of food but very little good water. There was no electricity, but we were able to receive limited messages after the first three or four days. A major bridge was destroyed uh, uh, over the only road leading out to Jeremy, but trucks were able to deliver supplies within a short time, and emergency aid began to come in by air and water uh, water in about a week's time. But there are major flaws in aid delivery systems. Most of the aid comes in and it lands and is available to those who can push to the front of the line. The strongest and hardiest of those. Widows and single mothers with children are not in that group. And that's most of who comprise our organization. Prices on the items trucked in were, of course, higher than normal. Fortunately, the bank in Jeremy opened shortly, and we were able to send funds that began to come in from all of our supporters. The key word there in Jeremy, and for most of the time in Haiti, is scarcity. What a contrast to what we have here in the States. Water purification units were a critical need, as cholera raised its ugly head almost immediately. Because of good connections we have built up by working in Haiti for the past few years, we were able to get some purification units from those who had good connections. Tarps were provided for families to sleep under as the rain continued on after the hurricane. Money to purchase food was sent as soon as we could provide it. In early November, one of the board members and I traveled to Haiti to assess the needs and see how best to spend the resources given us on recovery. We met with each family and listened to their stories. We heard stories of miracles of escaping from the storm. We heard of children being sheltered in the most unlikely places. Our accountant put all of our business records into a refrigerator and ran for shelter. Many of the children watched the roof of the Baptist church fly off the building. When I told them that I would never have been looking out at the storm but hiding under my bed, they said, what bed? Most of our families have no beds but sleep on the floor. As we began our recovery plan, we realized that we wanted to get our children back into school as soon as possible. All of the schools were inoperative and some completely destroyed. Our 60 children were scattered among 10 different Christian schools, but 37 of them attend the Baptist school. That is also where our tutoring, English classes, and summer school program occur. The school had never asked for anything from us in return. With no roof on the church, the water was running down the walls and into the lower level where the school classes met and the area was flooded. So we decided to give the church $3,000 for the materials for the roof. The parishioners furnished the labor to re-roof it. Pastor Alfred was extremely pleased and responded by saying, now I only have 135 more churches to worry about. He is in charge of all the Baptist churches in that area of Haiti. We also knew that our staff was working extraordinary hours and needed to be able to rest we provided them with funds to do quick repairs on their homes. Serge had been sleeping on the ground next to a downed tree with a piece of a tin roof propped against it. With the rising food prices we decided that we needed to raise the monthly stipend from forty dollars per month to sixty dollars per month for each family for the year following the hurricane. The first and basic amount of forty dollars is covered by sponsors but we needed to take the additional amount of the hurricane, out of the hurricane relief funds. It has proven to be absolutely necessary for those families. Food prices have increased about 30% since the hurricane. We spent some of our resources on solar lanterns and water purification devices. Our staff has also given continual education on cholera prevention. Why am I giving you all this detail? because Holy Cross as a church and its members individually provided a large amount of the funding for all of the recovery. In addition, the members of Holy Cross sponsor 12 children in our program. The rebuilding process has just finally finished. 40 homes received new tin roofs, with a few of them needing some small structural repairs. In cement block roofs would have lasted longer, but we learned with the earthquake in 2010 that many more people die as a result of falling cement block roofs than tin roofs flying away. Jeremy is also built on an earthquake fault. We completely built 14 houses on land provided by each of the families. The plots are tiny and often in poor locations but for people who have never owned a home before, their gratitude was incredible. The parents all greeted me with such warmth and delight that I wish I could share it with all of you. One family had already planted a garden and was eager to show it off. Most of these homes have very little furniture, if any, sometimes a table and two chairs. The amazing outhouses show that they are learning about hygiene and the cholera education is paying off. I'm so thrilled to think that we are finally closing the chapter on Hurricane Matthew. The resilience of the Haitian people has been absolutely amazing to me. I believe that we're now able to return to our regular program and proceed on with it. It was not easy for us to maintain our focus on education during the past few months, but I think we did well. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what we do, we are non denominational Christian nonprofit, working in Haiti to hold families together and prevent child abandonment. We believe that by educating these children to make good choices for themselves and their country, we are providing a real hope for them and for Haiti. I worked as a pharmacist in medical clinics for years and finally decided that I was only putting band-aids on problems in Haiti and that only education could make a lasting effect. We seek sponsors for the children who enable them to live with their own families rather than in orphanages or to be abandoned to the streets. 80% of the orphans in Haiti have a living parent. In most cases that child is only given up for lack of economic resources. Orphanages promise to feed and educate children. A great many of the orphanages are very poorly run. Children are neglected and exploited. Many of them have turned into a lucrative business. A second problem is with children being given up to domestic servitude in a program where they are known as restivex. Well-meaning parents send their child to the city to live with family and work for them in exchange for schooling. Often it turns into a case of sexual abuse or they are overworked. Sometimes they never even attend school. Part of the sponsorship gives some economic relief through monthly stipends to the family and it also pays for their medical expenses. We end up with happy healthy and educated children who are the hope of their country. I grew up with a heart for mission work. Fortunately, I learned early on to direct both my energy and my passion for sharing my resources in the best ways. I remember hearing a sermon when I was still in grade school, giving me the percentages of donations that actually went to the recipient when I gave money through different organizations. By the age of 10, I had already decided not to give to UNICEF but only through the church. When I visited Haiti and saw the conditions and talked with people after the earthquake in 2010, I knew there could be no healing for the people or the nation without God, and I could only work in a Christian organization. That affirmed my earlier belief that I needed to only give through Christian organizations whenever I shared my resources I know that the largest percentage of what I give will be received by the person who needs it. I also want to make sure that the administrator of my donation understands the situation of the receiver and has researched it well. It was evident to me in my trips to Haiti after both the earthquake in 2010 and the hurricane last year that large amounts of money were not well administered by major organizations because they did not understand the culture of the recipients. Over the years, I have learned that sharing my abundance of blessings carries with it real responsibility. It's not just writing a check. I need to take time to research any organization or recipient of a gift that I am giving. We have a dedicated team of people here at Holy Cross that devote time and energy to researching where this church's mission gifts are given. The mission advocacy team here receives grant applications each year from many groups and investigates them thoroughly before allotting any of your gifts to them. Most of the groups go through an interview process with us and we make sure we know who is serving as their oversight manager. I am proud that they consider Haitian Homes as a worthy recipient. I love the picture in the PowerPoint of the worship service the first Sunday after the hurricane. I'm sorry that it wasn't as clear as it could have been. The roof is off the church, but it is full of worshipers. Most notable is the man with his hands in the air, worshiping God so openly. It reminds me of the 34th Psalm which is an expression of thanksgiving for God's protection and care for those who trust in him. Verses four through seven read, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. In Haiti, there is a lot of pagan worship. Of course, we come across it and work against it. Voodoo is rampant. Often people think that mission workers go into the field to preach the gospel. My experience has been that I have gone to Haiti to learn the gospel. I see people there who praise God when their children are hungrier than mine have ever been. I see them sitting out in the heat all day long, trying to sell a few basic toiletries in the street and perhaps only making enough to buy rice and beans for supper that night. Still, they thank God for that meal before they eat it. I see children walk five miles, each way, back and forth to school with shoes that have soles that are coming apart, and they don't complain. I sat at the bedside of a child who had been hit by a car and was dying. His mother lay in the hospital bed beside him, holding him. That's the way they do it in Haiti. There was no intensive care in that simple hospital. The bed was in the hall because she had no money for a room. A friend paid for the IV that ran into his arm. When he died, she got up and went home to tend to her other children and to bury the child. Life went on. After three trips to Haiti, I asked God what I was doing there. I was not making a difference as a pharmacist, just handing out a few pills, helping so few. It was making me emotionally and spiritually miserable. I felt hopeless. I sat in my room there at the, at the guest house and read a bit of Bonhoeffer, and it came to me. It really was not about me. It was not even about them. I was simply answering a call. God had called me to Haiti, period. This is where I was to be. I got off my knees and onto my feet and have been going back to Haiti for 22 years now. Some days in Haiti are filled with joy, and others with sorrow, but always I find that I am in the palm of God's hand when I am in Haiti. What better place is there to be?
0: Let me invite you to extend your hands now, and I'd like for us to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, First of all, we thank you that we live in a land of abundance, but in some ways we acknowledge that that makes us hard in our hearts and ungrateful, and we accept what you give to us on a day-to-day basis as if it were such a small thing. We thank you that you have blessed us, Lord, but we pray that the blessing that you've given us would help us to be a blessing to others. We thank you, Lord, for this work of Haitian homes for Haitian children. We thank you, Lord, that your name can be raised up in a place where scarcity is the situation, that we may communicate your love and concern for those around us. We thank you that we can participate in that process, and Lord, we thank you that our sister Jane has heard your call, and responded to it faithfully. We acknowledge that when we do this, even to the least of these, we're doing it to you because we do it in your name. We pray, Lord, for every child in this mission and ministry. We pray they would grow up knowing you and knowing that you're a good God that provides and knowing that we are connected because we belong in the one body with one another. Lord, make our hearts soft and tender to respond when you call us to act and to care and to love. Bless our sister. Bless the work of Haitian homes for Haitian children. Strengthen it. Lord, give them the resources they need to multiply it, that many might be brought closer to you. We pray this in your name, of Jesus Christ. Amen.